0: Hello and welcome to Monocle on Culture, I'm Robert Bound. The worlds of commercial and art photography have historically occupied distinct spaces within the industry. But is that starting to change? On today's show, we'll be entering the world of the black box and the shutter and asking some questions that have been bouncing around the monocle on culture brain since visiting Photo London earlier this year. There we saw and enjoyed the odd booth of photo agencies, those that represent all of the commercial and editorial aspects of a photographer's work in amongst the fine art photography galleries. Having noticed that agencies appear to be changing tack, we also see them expanding their remit, opening up more curatorial and gallery-focused avenues within their businesses. So to what extent are these worlds colliding? How does an agency and its gallery wing cooperate? And how does the role of a photographer evolve in this changing landscape? What does this mean for the creativity of the craft as well as the business side? On today's show, we'll meet one such London agency named East with a fairly new gallery arm. We'll speak to Monocle's own photo director to get his take on the scene and speak to a wonderfully talented photographer to learn how he balances projects, what is worth a yes and what worth a no when titles and brands come knocking. First up on today's show is Matt Beeman, Monocle's very own photography director, whose editorial prowess is evident across the pages of the magazine, and Monocle's sister publication, Confect. Matt it's lovely to have you on the programme today thank you also for slotting us in on a busy production week for Monocle and Confect so we appreciate it so this conversation kind of as it was something that, that happened between the two of us when when we bumped into each other at Photo London a couple of years ago and we were on the stand for Weber which is a photo agency that you do a lot of work with at the at both of those magazines but they were at an art fair and I kind of we had a chat about how kind of interesting it was and that was the kind of kicker for this programme so where are they coming from? Where Where are kind of commercial photo agencies coming from to have a foot in what you might call the, the fine art world?
1: Yeah, I think it's quite a new thing. But there's agencies like Weber and East, and there's a handful of others who have roots in the, the fashion and commercial photography world, I guess. But the photographers on their rosters now, are, are, I guess it's the bigger fashion, luxury fashion brands, the, the type of photography that they're commissioning, it has become... I guess, much more abstract and artistic. And so the the types of work that those photographers are producing, there's a lot of crossover into the art world, I guess. And um, they have seen an opportunity there. Yeah, and and Weber have their own gallery, East have their own gallery, and they've gone into print sales. And it's an interesting direction that they're going in.
0: Yeah, it seems like that. So, I mean, sort of not to put too fine a point on it then, that some of the work that is produced by these photographers, especially in in uh, in you know in, in the more of the fashion realm than, than maybe the editorial realm, is the kind of thing that people want to have on their wall. That's basically what they're making a bet on, I suppose.
1: I, that's the thing, yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I think also there's a lot of different things going on because one, one of the biggest fashion photographers working today is Jamie Hawksworth, and he, he comes from a very reportage background but he has shot campaigns for all most of the sort of big fashion brands and I think a lot of those fashion brands want this editorialized type of photography. I went to the most recent exhibition at Weber which was uh, Robbie Lawrence and his work was about just like landscapes and cityscapes and portraits around Glasgow. He shoots a lot for Fantastic Man and Gentlewoman and magazines like that but he's also selling prints of his own kind of reportage art fashion work as well so um, so, yeah it was an interesting mix of people at the show as well it was collectors and people like me from a magazine background who would be commissioning him for editorial projects and an interesting mix
0: I mean obviously that it's to the benefit of the photographer you know if you get paid a certain amount of money for an editorial shoot you get paid big money for commercial shoots for brands and, and fashion brands and what have you and then having your work hanging in a gallery somewhere in London or New York, wherever it might be, is obviously good stuff for the ego and it's good stuff presumably for a day rate and a project rate as well. Do you notice a kind of sliding scale, therefore? I mean, you've obviously got very good relationships with the photographers and and, and the agents themselves, but do you notice people's prices going up when they start getting into the kind of gallery land as opposed to just the editorial world?
1: Maybe it's not so much that their prices go up because we kind of have a set rate, but I think it's Mm. more that they can maybe pick and choose the types of jobs that they want to do. For me, especially. Yeah. So you know that they have another revenue stream, I guess, which you know, and some photographers, are, you know, especially Jamie Hawkesworth, like most of his work is, is print sales now. So it has opened up a whole other revenue stream, for
0: and a kind of way of making a reputation as well. And I suppose being visible. There's one thing, as we all know, I've had conversations. We're going to speak to Mark Mahaney, our buddy on this program, as well. And I remember him kind of humming and harring about how much stuff he put on Instagram, for example. But having a having a work in a gallery is a whole different sort of uh visibility i suppose
1: yeah exactly and i I think also you know publishing has become much easier in the last decade as well and it's easier to produce really high quality photography books as well than it used to be like digital printing i think is is much better so maybe that's another way of people getting work out there perhaps than they easier than they could before relatively unknown photographers
0: and in terms of subject matter, Matt, you mentioned, you know, reportage, streetscapes, city streetscapes, you mentioned streetscapes in Glasgow and th- stuff like that. Can you see what maybe, can you sort of make a second guess, as it were, to what Weber might have in their gallery, as opposed to something that might be commissioned for a magazine? Are you seeing kind of different subject matter or a broad range of stuff that's, that's hanging in the galleries to give a real sense of the, the depth and breadth of their photography kind of world and, and their offering as an agency?
1: It's difficult. I think that the actual work they're producing as an agency, they did t- keep it quite separate. I think the gallery side of things and the agency side is, I think, is quite separate in a way. I think the print sales, the type of work that you see there, is very different to the type of work they're producing commercially and for their fashion editorials. There's an agency called Claxton Projects, which is that which is Mark's agency run by tom claxton it's much more in the art world i guess and you know that they, they shoot editorial but i think a lot of them are of tom Pryor as well but you know that they are making books and th- selling prints
0: yeah and which are the kind of agencies you have mentioned claxton in new york and there's weber and east as well are these the kind of main agencies that you've got your eye on who are kind of making this transfer from the commercial world into the kind of gallery world and kind of sitting somewhere in the middle of that seesaw.
1: Some of the bigger agencies, I think, are much, you know, are so much more in the commercial world. I think it's these sort of slightly smaller agencies which are able to move into the art world a bit easier, yeah.
0: And just finally, when you're commissioning photographers for Monocle and for Confect, you've obviously seen, say it's a fresh photographer, obviously there's a lot of returning talent happily in, in those two titles for us. But, you know, if you're commissioning someone fresh, is it the case that you've seen people's kind of gallery work or their more kind of artistic work, to use that word, rather than maybe some of their editorial work? And, you you know, you want to, you want to tap into more of that sort of artistic work rather than perhaps their straightforward reportage. Is that, does that happen?
1: I would say definitely for Confect, because in Confect I think we can be a bit more abstract in visual approach. Like Monocle... We're still quite firmly rooted in uh, that reportage, that authenticity of what you're, you know, traditional kind of reportage. But in Confect, yeah, absolutely. There's some some photographers that I've seen who uh, I've seen not so much in the editorial world, but in gallery setting. And I've then gone on to look at their work in books and then commissioned them.
0: Matt, thank you very much um, for leading us to uh, well, a kind of nice introduction really to how the sort of artistic is growing out of the editorial. Um, that's a that's a good kick off. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Monocle's photo director, Matt Beeman, there. <laughs> Next, we're going inside a photo agency, pioneering a new approach. Founded in 1996, East is a London and New York agency for creative artists. As well as a roster of varied photographers and specialists in moving image and set design, the company also has a gallery space named 1014. We went along to the agency gallery space in East London to meet Effie Price and gallery curator Jamie Shaw. And here's Jamie on his decision to rename the gallery when he took up his position.
2: So East, I guess, they've been an agency for 20 plus years now. They've been in this space for about three and a half years. I was sort of instrumental in rebranding the gallery as 1014 when I sort of took over the responsibilities of this about three years ago. And that was just kind of a multifaceted strategy, really, um, between what the artists do artistically and what we do as an agency. Currently, um, we're looking at um, work by Thomas Bird, who is one of our set designers. His is a solo show called Point, and it's his sort of first or inaugural outing as a quote-unquote artist making a collection of furniture and lighting.
0: We're looking at things that might be bits of moon rock. We're looking at some sort of lovely furniture that looks definitely like if, if Dune was more pastel. The film Dune mm-hmm. was from a more pastel world than a dark and brooding world. It might it might be furnished by some of this stuff as well, and some beautiful light pieces. So yeah, this is sort of real. Really feels like it's straining at the at the boundaries of what a photo agency can offer. But obviously, set design is part and parcel of that as well. Effie, from the sort of agent's point of view, what does the physical space like Ten Fourteen give to you?
3: Yeah, this physical gallery gives. A literal space in which artists of all kind of disciplines to explore their own practice and work on their craft we had a couple of shows ago david brandon geating who developed was working on this kind of concept and it wasn't kind of sitting in a way that made sense to him and having this space kind of gave purpose to this rework and he kind of came out with the marble which is now you know its own project in its own right
0: nice and presumably this is also a nice way of giving something back to your photographers as well being able to offer a show to people is a wonderful thing you've got a sort of super broad roster of photographers and indeed set designers and different sort of artists on the roster as well what what have you sort of had on so far in terms of in terms of all of your artists
3: Yeah, so I mean, we were kind of stunted, I guess Jamie will (laughs) agree there, with kind of how lockdown impacted the gallery. We've had a couple of group shows. We've had a couple of solo shows. This is, Thomas's show is the kind of first set design show, which has really kind of set the mark for what is possible in this space.
0: And there's a tool, Effie. I mean, this is a, it's a a nice thing. The, The sort of, you sort of mentioned lockdown and being able to have People come in and out, be able to show people, you know, potential clients, photographers' work and indeed set designers' work and stuff. It must be a very potent tool having a physical space to to host people. Nothing's like a physical party to kind of get people together and have proper conversations in a room. So it must feel great coming back, but it must be a very I'm presuming a valuable tool for you guys as agents.
3: Oh totally. It's a kind of you know, an opening night is an event where all these different elements and sectors come together and meet and on like such a personal level, just seeing people again was wonderful. (laughs) And to talk about what we'd all kind of imagined for three years and yeah, to kind of be able to have those, all those different figureheads and like-minded people but in different areas was, is always continually, project on project, really, really special.
0: It must be, it's one thing, you know, you're you're representing photographers that work across editorial, commercial work, all sorts of different stuff. It must really be wonderful to see it kind of sing in a room. I mean, we obviously want to see it on the pages of magazines, online, all over the place, on billboards. But this must be, yeah, it, there, there's a de- another depth to this perhaps somehow, I don't, I don't know.
3: Yeah, for sure. I mean, photography is a very, forgive the kind of almost pun, a one-dimensional kind of art form in that you know it's with commercial photography it's on like you say on billboards in you know in different arenas it's visible but it's a very personal thing to to view and consume and so to have like this arena of you know it's almost like again cliche we're full of cliches today (laughs) you know it's almost like if you think of theater and being able to kind of perform you know, and see a crowd reaction for the first time, you're, you know, you're at an opening and an artist can literally see the reaction.
0: Jamie, I mean, it's wonderful. These, you know, the photographers on East's list will be, it will be, their stuff looks great at Heathrow Airport, looks great in, in Italian Vogue, et cetera, et cetera. But there's something kind of personal about having to open the door and be, or be welcomed into a gallery and see it. Um, displayed properly, lit in a in a different sort of space mm. like this. In terms of the photographers and all sorts of artists that you've worked with in this space, how have they reacted to it? Seeing it, I don't know, artified mm. as it were, rather than simply sort of editorialized.
2: I think um, with all of the artists on the roster, they all do have a multifaceted process, which does include these editorial, advertising, as well as artistic elements. Having this room and this platform to, to play with and um, have some space to do things. Um, it's been received really well from them all individually. I think with me on board as well, my motive really is to get them to concentrate less on kind of making marketable artwork that perhaps would be for sale in a stranger's home and to really kind of push their own artistic ideas are about and to kind of loosen the puppet strings a little bit of in the the theater of an art gallery and you know we have to sell x amount and we you have to be this and you have to be that um i think the fact that we have this space and they have me it's kind of like let's just go for it like, let's see what happens and yeah. they really react well to it i think
0: so you can you're encouraging them to be a bit bit weird and yeah. and go for it mm-hmm. i mean that's an Really interesting point, Effie. I mean, most, most of these, most of your artists are working, they're, they're commissioned to do stories for magazines, they're commissioned by brands to do things that, that they want them to do things in a certain way. There's a brief quite tight, sometimes quite loose, but they're not that weird, maybe, all, <laughs> all of the time. <laughs> well, it depends. depends for whom you're shooting, right? But yeah, how does that work sort of for you commercially, having, being able to give artists a sort of space to experiment whilst also obviously having to respond to, to briefs?
3: Yeah, I think I think this is kind of the question of the moment, really. In that, I should
0: I have asked it first, shouldn't I? Maybe. We got there.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Just this is the question. <laughs> I can only speak from my experience in my world that I think that people are very quick and easy to kind of pigeonhole these kind of three distinct areas. In that, it's personal, or it's fashion, or it's commercial. And I think a good photographer can sit across these areas with flexibility with lack of ego and sees opportunities i think throwing that you know everything they can to a brief or to experiment in their own personal photography i think it only ever gets rewarded down the line through the other it all trickles down not to trickle down
0: (laughs) is it trickling up or down I don't know it's
3: It's trickling (laughs) it just everything feeds each other it's it's a circle that a Venn diagram that creates this whole picture or this whole kind of quote unquote brand of a photographer of an artist
0: and are they making different I mean you is work being commissioned for this space that is not stuff that you're not simply showing stuff that's a Levi's campaign or something beautiful they've done for Vogue or something
3: I guess this space at the moment this gallery is kind of championing personal growth and that it's literally all of the above it's a place to exercise their creative mind their skills and so this is kind of from the heart you know at this stage.
0: Effie and Jamie thank you very much uh, for talking us through it thank you.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Effie Price there and you also heard from Jamie Shaw and the current exhibition at 10.14 of work by Thomas Bird is open until the 21st of October. Finally on today's show, we turn to photographer Mark Mahaney to find out just how, if at all, the changing world of photography may have changed the practice itself. Mark's projects span the editorial, commercial, artistic and personal. From work for Levi's to a story capturing the faded golden age of Hollywood for M Le Monde magazine, to the stunning photography book In the Polar Night, to working with his own daughter in a project titled The Wooden House. Here's Mark. Mark it's an honor to have you on the program and I wanted to ask you first of all you know I explained to you the kicker for this program about commercial agencies, photographic agencies sort of branching into the the gallery world a little bit more than they have done in the past and things like that. You're at a place in your career where you can choose a lot more than, than many photographers and I wondered maybe first of all how brands have commercial projects and how more kind of long-term editorial projects or whether learn the line blurs for you like how you did basically decide what to say yes to and what to say no to at this point in your career
4: yeah i think the metric changes sometimes i mean we just came through a pandemic when there was not a lot of work to be had with for anybody and so There was a little bit of a moment there where I was less stringent and selective than I would have liked to have been just because I have made choices in life to have a family and have certain obligations. And, but typically a project basically, you know, ideally has some sort of interest for me that goes beyond just the budget or, it needs to feel like a, a, a right fit. And, you know, this is obviously a very competitive industry, maybe not as competitive as like the music industry or acting, but it's a very competitive industry. And there's a lot of stuff happening within the moment around, you know, bringing equity and, and all of these things. And I feel like for me personally with work, if there's a project that I'm presented with that can feel like I can kind of more blur in the line of the end usage of it, where the the images or the project as a whole doesn't necessarily look like it was overtly shot for a commercial purpose or for editorial purpose or for a personal purpose, where it can kind of have that line blurred, where it could be used or seen as applicable to all of those things. And that has always been a goal for me. And I think it's a fair thing to say that to assume that it's a goal for a lot of people, that there's often this sort of incongruence with The work that we're offered or even lucky enough to be offered to do commercially, since the commercial work pays more than the editorial work does, it often doesn't align with what it is that you you want to do for personal work or for editorial work and even what you're known for doing. And so for me, it's taken a while to sort of thread that needle, and I'm not fully there yet, but I am definitely closer to it as time moves on, and I feel very fortunate for that and grateful.
0: Yeah. No, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, aesthetically talking, you get to a stage in your career, I suppose, like like if you're a painter like, if you know, you get to a point where if you're not careful, you become a brand, but also if you are careful, you become a brand. And people want, you know, kind of give me a Mahaney, right? They want something that is recognizably in the style of something that they've seen of yours elsewhere. There's a bit of a push me, pull you there, isn't there? I, or I'd presume there is between doing something that is. I, I, so, or, is it, or is it simply the quality of the work, if, if we can call it that, that isn't actually recognizably branded, but is of a similar quality, of a similar care, with a similar kind of eye to the stuff you've done before? So how does that work? Um, do you, you kind of are in the position perhaps where you have to steer the brief a lot more than, than you would have done in the past perhaps.
4: Yeah, um, definitely. Unfortunately, by the time a commercial project makes its way to to our doorstep, the brief is already, you know, has gone through all these different iterations and, you know, budgetary stuff has already been decided. And there's um, unfortunately on a lot of jobs you know you're brought in because they want a look and feel of, of of something that you do they want you to have freedom in what it is that you're doing and you know to create something that's new and fresh for their company however by the time it gets to you they have kind of like neutered the idea to a certain point where there actually isn't much flex on what can be done or how to go about it or who's going to be in the pictures or where we're doing the pictures. And there's often actually a lot of dysfunction in it or like over planning in it where they have to have every single element perfectly pinned down to the point where it actually puts you in a box and you don't feel like you can actually do what you wanna do. And so for me on jobs, I'm actually trying to get into the briefing process at an earlier point so that I can have more of a say in the development of the idea and how how things are gone about it's a complicated thing you know in the editorial world that doesn't exist as much in the commercial world that exists more often than than I (laughs) wish it did
0: does that particular part of it feel like it's heading in the right direction for you when uh, you know that if people want you to work for them with them that they're prepared to let you in on the creative process and the kind of whole grand plan that much earlier does it feel like the direction of travel for that is is going in the right way at the moment when perhaps brands need to stand out more titles editorial titles want to stand out more that they want to have you as a creative person as part of that thing rather than simply as someone that is on the wish list rather than perhaps a creative must have in a certain extent
4: editorially i feel a tremendous amount of freedom some of it is freedom that comes by saying no to things and you know in saying no to to things you're you're hopefully moving more in the direction of what you feel at your heart what you want to say yes to and so i definitely have a lot of freedom editorially speaking i am taking on these I'm more attracted to projects that are open-ended so that I have a lot of freedom to them I you know was asked to do a a shoot for a French magazine on like the death of the golden age of Hollywood uh, by another one to document the deceased jazz legend uh, Chet Baker by uh, you know it's like I have a ton of freedom, even jobs that you and I have worked on, like the whole Monocle road trip through the South, that was very open-ended and my work, the style of my work has changed a little bit since then, but it's still that same thing where I have freedom. And I I feel like that's really what I gravitate toward with editorial work. Moving to the commercial side of things, which for the most part is any commercial job that I have gotten, or been up for, often you don't get the job, you are bidding on it and it doesn't land. But all of those jobs have come through me doing editorial work and people seeing that work. I've done very few meetings, you know, to try to actually secure and and attract commercial work. And so to answer your question, I feel like the trend is, it's definitely a case by case thing with some agencies or whether you're working directly with the clients, some of them are much more open and like see the value in bringing in somebody like myself or in the motion realm like bringing in a director earlier on where they can actually not just be hired for the images we make or the the movies that or the you know films that are, a director creates from an aesthetic standpoint but also to be valued for knowing what works and what doesn't work and the fact that that's actually a a huge part of the success of of a project or the fail the potential for failure of a project so yeah it's it's definitely a case-by-case thing sometimes places are very open to it and sometimes they're painfully not
0: you mentioned saying no there and i suppose that's kind of in a way it's a that can also be a almost an act of creativity in itself. Um, If there's a client that you don't align with, um, a lot of misdeeds, commercial misdeeds are kind of hung under a kind of a a glossy, a glossy commercial banner or brand banner. Um, Is that kind of, I presume you're saying no a lot more than you're saying yes, to a certain extent.
4: Definitely. Um, I am partnered with you know, an agent, Tom Claxton, who I uh, thankfully align with on all of these matters of importance. And yes, there are a lot of projects, the majority of the things that come in, regardless of whether they're commercial or editorial, we, we, you know, uh, gratefully turn away for whatever reason. And the majority of the time it is not money related. It's typically because I am trying to shift my standards, even ethically and and morally with the companies that I feel okay about aligning with. And, um, and so that's becoming something that's harder and harder. And there are moments where I have to kind of like shift those guardrails and, and sort of loosen the, the, um, you know, the standards slightly, given the fact that I'm a freelancer and it's a very competitive world, but There are a lot of those jobs where we obviously, for the most part, do not say to a client, you know, where we don't believe in your company, we're not going to do this. Um, We come up with some other reason for it. But um, that aside, whenever we turn something down, we almost always try to recommend somebody else for it.
0: I just wanted to ask you a couple of final questions and one actually is when you're making beautiful work such as such as the stuff you do um you know, you have collectors you know you, you you are represented um um by galleries uh, of course you know outside of the agency realm we should say more um, fine art galleries um what about where where your work ends up you you have little control really about whose walls your work hangs on at the end of the day once it's been sold how do you feel about that I mean you're slightly powerless as, as to that that's not a company that you may or may not work for even a title that you may or may or not align with that there's something uh, slightly out of the artist's hands when it comes to sold work isn't there
4: definitely I think it's more out of the artist's hands when it's maybe a secondary sale or, or something like that um which you know I'm very new to that realm of the photo industry it's only been you know, maybe two years since I've been selling prints and being represented by a main gallery. But it's a tricky, you know, circumstance to be in. Again, you know, the the term starving artist is not like a, there. there's a legitimacy to that term. And a lot of people who are in the fine art world do not have income coming in, in from a commercial standpoint or even editorial standpoint. And it's their entire bread and butter. It's how they how they bring home money for themselves and for their family. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's a challenge. You, you might be presented with a commercial project for a company that you don't believe in, but then your gallery and you turn it away, but then your gallery you might be asked by that very same company, you know, we want to buy 10 prints to put in our lobby and the gallery is excited to say yes to it and and you know there there's that conflict there.
0: Yeah, I hear you Mark. It's only right and proper that we talk about this stuff, but I want to I want to tell our listeners as well that w- there is such a, an incredible joy in creating such unique images that you put into every picture that people will be able to see on your website and in any prints that they're interested in buying as well through any of your galleries we should point that out to our to our listeners as well and uh, and personally obviously i've been lucky enough to work with you on on a couple of big stories and and uh people will be able to see those things and for the time being mark We'll leave it there, but thank you so much for being so sort of honest and patient with your answers. It's quite a, a thorny subject when you get to a certain level, right? And, and, and turning stuff down and reasons for that and stuff. So thanks for being um so honest with your answers. Of course. And thanks for having me. That was the photographer Mark Mahaney, and head to markmahaney.com to look at his stunning work. For commissions, he's represented by Claxton Projects and gallery wise by Kominek in Berlin. And that is it for today's show. My thanks to Matt Beeman, Effie Price, Jamie Shaw and Mark Mahaney. Monocle on Culture is produced by Sophie Monaghan-Coombs and Steph Chungu. And Steph also edits the programme. We'll be back at the same time next week. But until then, from me, Robert Bounds, thank you very much for tuning in.